What's the matter, Hangman? Can't sleep. Cowboy shit! I need my older brother! Who the fuck is Griff Jackson? Captain Noodle! Baby, back You are now listening to Dark Side of the Elite with Randy Charpentier, Eric Reed, and Matt Roberts. Uh, hey everybody, you, Randy uh, Zane66 here, the Dark Side of the Elite, along with Eric and Matt. And guess what? Today we have not just only the coolest, not just only the best. We have just incredible. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So you kind of took my 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 thing because I was gonna throw that in there, but I'll I'll save that for the close of the show. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's definitely a pleasure um, having you today. We just have a couple of questions today. We have like eight different questions, I think. Here, cool. Um, going over mostly when we looked them over, they're mostly on memory questions for you. Again, we appreciate you being here, and I guess Matt, you can definitely start it off. PJ, it's really uh, nice to talk to you. Fifteen-year-old uh, me would not have thought I'd have a chance to talk to Justin Credible one day, but it's uh, so it's really cool for me. Really? Um, my earliest memories of pro wrestling are really like Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania up here in Toronto, and that's when I really fell in love with wrestling. Arguing with my friends, who's going to win? You're a Hulkster or you're an Ultimate Warrior fan. <laughs> I was just wondering for you, what's your earliest memory of professional wrestling? Or is there a, a moment that you go back to as like the first moment that you really fell in love with professional wrestling? Um, for me, it was 1989 and it was uh, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat. Um, I got the privilege to go see them live at a live event here in Connecticut where I live. And it was a small place, only, you know, only like three, four thousand fans in attendance. But uh, the quality of match and the emotion and they were so hard hitting and believable. Um, I'm in WWF country as well. You know, Stanford, the headquarters is, you know, half an hour from my house. So uh, I've always been, you know, a WWE guy. But uh, to see Flair and Steamboat, and it was so drastically different is, uh, you know, I fell in love with uh with pro wrestling that day. I mean, that was, that was it for me. <laughs> you know, I was uh, 15 years old and, uh, in 1989 and that was really what made me want to, you know, become a pro wrestler. Very cool. Very cool. That was a good match to start off with too. Yeah. Right <laughs> a really good match. They had off. that legendary, like uh, three pack of matches. I remember watching the shytown town rumble not that long ago as well. Yep. And yeah, it's really cool to go back Still and watch holds those. Up too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely does. Yeah. So, you started, I guess, your career in 1992 with the Hart Brothers training camp, right? Yep. Keith Hart. How hard was it training there, and how was it following, I guess, one of your trainers, uh, Lance Storm, along the way in your journey of wrestling? What made the training so difficult, I mean, 12 wrestlers started originally in camp, and by the end of the two-month program, only two uh, were left, myself and actually someone from uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario. Uh, his real name is Brett Farrell, uh, but he wrestled under Big Daddy Hammer uh, in the local indies. You know, so, yeah, that's how it really all kind of uh, started. It was just very difficult. I mean, they really made you uh, do all kinds of, of drills and bumps. And it was just it was insane. So uh, it was very hard. And they did that on purpose to kind of see who really was dedicated uh, and who would stick around. And uh, we obviously uh, showed the fortitude and stuff that that you know, was needed to, to be a wrestler. Cause at the time it was really intense and uh, very selective. 
because there was still a lot of kayfabe and stuff like that. So um, it was not just pay to play. Whoever gives you the money could become a wrestler. It was still very, very much competitive and selective. I was going to ask you, uh, when you first joined the World Wrestling Federation, what was going through your mind or how were you feeling that very first time walking into that dressing room there with all the huge stars and just what that experience was like and if there was anyone that kind of took you under their wing to show you the ropes or just kind of how you felt that first time walking into a, a WWF uh, arena, locker room? Uh, it's funny you say that on this day because uh, somebody just posted on Twitter that um, today was the day that I first debuted on WWE TV as PJ Walker versus Lex Luger. I saw that on Twitter, I think. Yeah, yeah and uh, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of this, but uh, that was the first time I ever walked into a WWF locker room, and it was surreal. I mean, just to see a lot of my heroes, first of all, back there, Luger being one of them, Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, uh, you know, Vince, I mean, Mar uh, Sean, Marty, Sean Michaels, Marty Jannetty, it was ridiculous. And they, what I noticed more than anything was just how big they were and how larger than life these guys were. I mean, yeah. they looked like superheroes. Yeah. And that's the one thing that um, is so different about wrestling. And, and me back then, believe it or not, I was six foot, 215 pounds as a young man, which was pretty big, you know, and uh, mm. I looked like a, a little person compared to these, <laughs> you know, giants. Uh, so it was very humbling. And, um, you know, and I'll get into it later on in the show, but. That's kind of what I see just from the naked eye of, you know, sometimes what's not so right, even though wrestling has really gone, leap, grown leaps and bounds. I, I, it's still something to see guys that look like that and to, you know, I, I was not big into the steroid guys, don't get me wrong, but it's still like it was, it was something to behold to see guys that were that big and athletic, you know, even Shawn Michaels, which we think, oh, he was a little guy. He's six foot one, six foot one and a half, 225 pounds in great shape. Yeah. So all these guys were just, what I'm trying to say is they were super athletes and it was just like, they were elite athletes. So it kind of is like today, if you own a pair of tights and you're 150 pounds, that can do some backflips. Yeah. You're a wrestler back then. It really, it took so much more. Um, so, you know, it's just back then it was just a lot different, you know? Absolutely. Uh, no doubt about that. Shortly after your WWF debut, uh, you were presented with the Aldo Montoya gimmick. Yeah. I was wondering if you could let us know what it was, uh, how that was presented to you, who came up with the idea. I believe it was supposed to be a, a soccer inspiration, which turned into the Portuguese Man of War. If you could yeah. just tell us what it was like uh, being presented with that uh, gimmick and what your initial thoughts were on it. Um, I was offered the contract by Vince McMahon. He pulled me aside on TV and we took a walk outside, uh, just Vince and I, but he didn't present the Aldo gimmick to me. He just said, we're going to bring you on board and sign you to a contract, which was crazy in itself, you know. And when I went to the office to see what it was, you know, they wanted to you know, talk to me and see what I was going to be comfortable with. And at first they uh, gave me a, a, a picture, a cartoon drawing of a soccer player uh, because, you know, it was going to be the World Cup. Uh, that year and they wanted to kind of capitalize on the, the World Cup and going overseas as well. Um, when that didn't work out, they just kind of, they killed that themselves. They had this drawing of what looked like a Power Ranger um, with Road Warrior shoulder pads and it looked, it looked, Aldo looked way different uh, on paper than it looked in real life. 
but still it looked really cool it looked like it could have been the lucha libre gimmick at first mm-hmm. and um but when i got there they gave me the outfit two hours before showtime and uh unfortunately it was nothing like uh what they drew up you know right. so uh, it was a bit disappointing but still i understood you know that this was just going to be an opening uh opening gimmick in my career um and you know it was just uh you know one small step kind of in getting uh into the bigger picture you know at that point i was just happy to be on the road traveling and working you know 200 plus dates a year for the wwf you know at the time and uh making some money so uh to me you know aldo was uh was actually a pretty pretty fun time and i learned so much and uh you know i look at it now as actually a really nice time in my career where it was uh more positive than negative believe it or not even though the gimmick one could say was a bust um still it was a it was a good memorable time for me i i still remember it all these years later and the amount of guys that yeah. have come and come and gone so uh there's something to be said about that at least so up here in toronto we we're gonna go start with the ecw stuff we didn't get to see it on tv so for myself Right? I had a cousin that lived in the States. She would always send me the VHS tapes, so on and so forth. We get the VHS tapes about five, six months later. Oh, wow. But uh, I guess it's uh, 1997 when you entered into ECW. Is yep. that correct? You had yep, many great is. feuds, like right off the bat, like Jerry Lynn, Tommy yep. Dreamer, Mikey Whip, Whipwreck. Early ECW years. What was your favorite time or favorite match or feud at that time? Oh, wow. I would say it's a toss-up between Lynn and Dreamer. But uh, I would go with uh, Tommy Dreamer only because with Tommy, um, it was the first time in my entire career I was doing ladder matches. Um, doing, you know, uh, hell, uh, not uh, stairway to hell matches where it was a ladder match with a spool of barbed wire hung above the ring. Um, and I'd never done any of this in my entire career. These were first times for me. And just kind of learning how to brawl. You know, I was a very good wrestler. I was a polished, well-polished wrestler. Had a lot of experience under my belt as just a traditional pro wrestler. So to kind of uh, become a lot more familiar with brawling and doing tables and stuff, which I'd never done. Um, it was really cool. And I learned a lot. Uh, and that, that's uh, because of Tommy. Tommy really uh, taught me a lot. Uh, about all of it, really, and how to kind of work that gimmick into what I do. They were great. In, uh, I guess, when the Impact players formed. Now, again, I guess Lance Storm was one of your uh, trainers as well. You're back with yeah. them. Who all thought of that and brought it together? And uh, how was that relationship formed, I guess? Again, I guess you never lost the relationship with Lance yeah. at that time. Like, that, to me, was one of the most exciting things seeing you and Lance Storm being Canadian, as you can see, we're in the plaid, right? But uh, <laughs> how was it for you? Describe like the best, the the highs and maybe the lows that you had during that time. There were really no lows. Uh, no. Lance and I were, we've always been and still are good, good friends. Um, we saw this as a wonderful opportunity just to go out there and, uh, and really like uh, our relationship was, you know, we're two very extremely different people. What you see is what you get for, from both of us. Right. I'm a little more boisterous, a little more, you know, go out and party, have a drink here and there, whatever. And Lance is very militant, very serious in real life. But we had a trust for one another. We loved one another as human beings. And, uh, you know, it was effortless. You know, he taught me, you know, pretty much almost, you know, everything I knew. 
Um, so when we went out there and did the impact players, it was a perfect balance. Like whatever I wasn't Lance was as far as the tag team and whatever Lance was, maybe he lacked a little bit of uh, showmanship, charisma, whatever. I brought that. And uh, when we intertwined, it's like I brought that out of him because then he started doing the pose and Lance never posed before. And we just kind of uh, we fed off of one another and we really helped one another in that way. So that counter of, you know, each guy being kind of so different from one another, um, it blended well into the impact players. Kind of like I'm not putting myself in that category, but. Like a Jim Neidhart, Brad Hart, both are polar opposites. Yeah. But as the Hart Foundation, they made sense. And that was the impact of players. Like I said, I'm not comparing myself to their greatness, but it was similar. Like we were both very different, but together we made uh, a great team. So, uh, yeah, it was it was super fun and super easy. We loved it. You guys are probably one to this day still one of my favorite tag teams. You Like even how you described it right there, when you went out in the ring, like you could see you – don't get me wrong. Obviously, everybody has a bad day, but you can see in your face that you truly enjoyed it, and it was great. Yeah. Like you know what I mean. And you've seen that, and you're absolutely right. The Jim the Anvil Bret Hart is exactly what you and Lance did. Put yourself up there because you guys were exactly like them to me, anyways. As a big fan. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, and and it was so easy. Like Lance knew everything about me. He was like there before I ever had my first match. He taught me everything. Um, so if he knew uh, a certain move would hurt me because I was concussion prone, yeah. Lance would kind of say, I got this, Peach. I'll take this, this, this bump. You know, you, you know, we, we, we helped each other out in certain ways. Like if I felt like I, this is my strong suit, I'll do that. And like if he saw something he could help me with. So we were all about helping each other out to, to further the team. There was no ego. There was no, you know. It was, uh, I, it's a shame it didn't go longer um, because yeah. we could have, you know, if we had uh, put more time into it, unfortunately, WCW came calling and uh, that was a great move for Lance professionally. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would, I always wonder if we'd have stayed together uh, a bit longer, how much more we could have done, uh, not just in ECW, but and in the world of pro wrestling, you know. No, you guys are absolutely incredible. Um, 2000, I guess you became the ECW champion. Right. Yeah. How did they approach yeah. you on it, or like who? I guess obviously it was him that approached you and said yeah. you're going to be champ. Were you excited? Did you already know? Or seeing your build was so great, right? You yeah. knew you're going to be champ automatically. Yeah. But how did you feel, <laughs> dude? They told me um, all I remember from that night. It was in Philadelphia. All I remember was I wasn't. Uh, I was dressed, but I wasn't on the sheet. I didn't have a match. Um, so I was like, that's weird, you know, because. You know, usually they put most of their, you know, I was a top guy. Uh, I was the tag team champion at the time. Remember when I won the title, we still, Lance and I still had the tag team titles. So I was like, wow, I'm not on the sheet. Um, What's going on? So only after intermission did Heyman come up to me and explain to me what was going to happen, probably 30 minutes before it happened. So I didn't have a whole hell of a lot of time to digest it. I don't know if he did it to, um, you know, to, to not, you know, for the sheet writers or, you know, the internet was starting to kind of be a thing. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. when wrestling.com and back in the day, day was a thing. So I don't know if it was just to kind of keep it under wraps, but, um, you know, that's what it was, you know, and, uh, he, he kept it very quiet. And, uh, a couple minutes later I was world champion. So, uh, it was great, man. I mean, I know we don't really actually win the title. It's, uh, it's entertainment, but, you know, it meant a lot to me because in wrestling, 
although it's not real, it's um, when you're crowned a world champion, it's like the company believes in you. They believe you could carry the main event. You could be the poster boy of the company. You're, you could be a good representative of, you know, not only the company, but of the sport or business of pro wrestling. So as a fan, you know, uh, 10, 11 years ago, watching Ric Flair, um, you know, at a house show, and then myself being, you know, 23, 24 years old, being a world champion only, you know, 10, 11 years later was uh, pretty cool. No, it was great. I, I enjoyed that time again. You're one of the reasons why I watched, like, you are the reason why I watched ECW. And you, oh, you, you are, you, like, that means the world. <laughs> um, just like you said before, like, uh, Bret Hart is another example of it, like, believing in you and believing how it was. You were the Bret Hart of ECW to me. So thank you. Again, thank you. It was thank absolutely. You. That's so awesome. One of the uh, questions that got to you, I'm going to give you a person's name. And please respond, describe only how you feel using one word. Okay. Tommy Dreamer. Pro wrestling. Sandman. Drunk. <laughs> uh, Raven. Raven. <laughs> X-Pac. Brother. And last but not least, we'll go Landstorm. I don't want to say best friend because we were never that close, but in the ring, just the one word I would say is soulmate in the ring. I it's, guess it's hard. I was trying to really do it justice and not just say anything. That's a great, great answer. Great answer. Yeah, I was just wondering. Um, I did have one question. Well, two questions for you. I realized I wrote that down wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, as, as you said earlier, you said the wrestling industry is continuing to grow. I was just wondering uh, for you personally nowadays, uh, what do you like or what is what is excites you about the wrestling product today? Because there's so many options out there, right? Um, I mean, just uh, the possibilities excite me. I love what's going on uh, with, you know, AEW and Impact kind of trading talent and New Japan, just all of that. Um, but there's um, what's missing, I think, in all of it that's going on right now, and it's through no fault of anyone, um, is this pandemic. I think uh, in pro wrestling, you know, it, we really came to see how integral and how important the fans are in live events and live attendance um, are to, to what we do. Um, this business was kind of created to be a give and take between the guys in the ring and the fans around ringside and to not uh, have that for such a long time, you know, is uh, it's 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 very uh, it's crazy. You know, it's like we realize like we can't judge or properly judge. I should say who's over yeah. or who's not over. Right. Because oh, you're yeah. usually you need that ear uh, regardless of, you know, what people might say in the sheets or uh ratings even are, are not that great at just pinpointing who is uh, that over. It's that crowd that really will let you know, uh, baby face, heel, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's what I miss the most. And I think right now that's like just uh, the fans being um, away from it is, is really what I think is, uh, is missing right now. And, um, it just it, it you realize how important they are. I don't think we we take for granted at times how important the fans are to what we do. And even though the Thunderdome has been great, um, Impact, Ring of Honor, a lot of places have done good work. AEW has done good work with what they have, 
but man, it's, it's just so, I just can't wait till this is over this pandemic for many reasons, but uh, just to get fans back in the building and to really, um, there are partners in telling these stories because the, in ECW would help make ECW were the fans. They were the stars of the show. You know, they weren't crazy um, like that. And so passionate, we would have just been another promotion Um, and the fans helped make it. And I think the fans have the power to make wrestlers and promotions all over the world. And uh, I hope when it finally does come back, you know, fans can understand how important they are to us and to the product itself, you know. Absolutely. I mean, not having any fans in the stands or anything has been like really tough. I've known a lot of people who have actually dropped out of watching wrestling just because of it, unfortunately. And it's it's sad to see because I've loved wrestling my whole life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anything could make me not love it really at this point. But um, I did want to ask you one more question and is uh, what can we look forward to with Just Incredible? after all this uh, pandemic crap sort of <laughs> clears up, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, right now, uh, your guess is as good as mine. The one thing I have uh, that is happening is uh, I will be on season three of Dark Side of the Ring. Nice. Um, uh, it'll, I'll be on one of the episodes, and it will be uh, – and I, I can't say what episode it is, but uh, it'll be a more lighthearted episode. It's not about anybody passing away or anything like that. It's on uh, – uh, you'll 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 see you'll okay. you'll see what it's about and it'll be fun and kind of lighthearted so i'm looking forward to it we shot it uh, a couple weeks ago actually in philadelphia so it'll be a fun one and uh, that's kind of the biggest thing i have going i just uh, can't wait to get back out there and get in the ring i'm 47 years old so i'm not getting any younger uh, i just uh, you know just want to get back out there as soon as possible you know nice. very cool do, do you ever come up to any of the promotions up in Ontario or the Canada way or I don't, I don't, oh. unless, you know, unless you're being booked, uh, it's uh, really far to just drive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's that's that's yeah. a 10 to 12 hour drive at, at least. So, uh, nah, you know, hopefully yeah. I get, I get up there again before I uh, hang it all up though. You know, uh, Toronto has always been very good to me. Well, do you have anything that you'd like to bug or put away or anything before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, um, just uh, like I said earlier, just uh, follow me on Twitter uh, on at PJ Polacco and also follow me on Instagram, same handle, at PJ Polacco. And of course, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Just Incredible. I have over 20 designs, some retro, some new school stuff, even some Aldo Montoya. So, uh, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, go check it out. And that's it. Okay. Well, thank you for coming by today. I know Matt, Eric, truly appreciate it. Um, everything will be on the website uh, we the Dark Order North and the Facebook group Dark Side of the Elite go to the Pro Wrestling Tees go get his stuff um, go follow him on Twitter reach out to him thank you for coming today oh thank each and, one, each and every one of you guys it was really nice it was a fun conversation and uh, look forward to talking to you guys again very soon thanks PJ alright guys thank you have a good night take care